welcome to Deeper, a podcast of the Wollongong Baptist Church. Our podcast follows the Sunday sermon and aims to help our congregations go deeper into God's Word. Welcome everyone to Deeper as we look at chapters 19 to 24 of Luke's Gospel in our series titled Behold Your King. My name is Clayton Ryan and this week I'll be discussing chapter 20 verses 20 to 40 with Ken Davies. Welcome back, Ken, from the COVID wilderness. It's good to see you again. It's good to be back. As Mark said, you're the COVID ninja, the way you (laughs) dodged COVID when everyone around you was dropping like flies. Last man standing. (laughs) I don't know how I did it. I don't have any tips or tricks to pass on. (laughs) (laughs) How was ISO and how are the family doing now? Uh, everyone's fine. Um, we only had very mild symptoms. Um, mm-hmm. We just had to lock down and it ended up being about two weeks. Yeah. Um, it's it, it was harder than than lockdown because you weren't allowed out of the house at all. So mm. it actually, I, I was surprised at how different it was Yeah. Um, just because I wasn't able to go out for any exercise or go to the shops or anything at all. It was, re- it, yeah, cabin fever by the end. Yeah, yeah. I remember a couple of texts saying, does Chico's count as an emergency? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure it does. Yeah. <laughs> but we didn't take it up. <laughs> Excellent. Now, before we get going, Ken, one may, one change we've made to the format uh-huh. is now for the summaries, you only get 30 seconds to summarize your sermon from Sunday. So your time starts now. Uh, the thesis is that Jesus riding the cult into Jerusalem is a proclamation that he's the king. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's been questioned. Where does your, your authority come from? And now people are actively denying it, questioning it, trying to catch Jesus out to prove that he doesn't have authority. Mm. So the sermon looks at these two oppositions uh, that are coming to him and how Jesus silenced his critics. So he originally silences the teachers of the law and the chief priests, and then he silences the uh, Sadducees. Uh, What that teaches us is that there are still ongoing critics today that try and play Jesus off about his politics or about his religion, Mm. uh, and Jesus won't stand for that. Uh, He can see through our opposition to him, and he'll re-exert his authority, whether you're somebody who's uh, not a follower of Jesus, or even if you are a follower of Jesus, that we can be sneaky usurpers, (laughs) people that try and take the throne back from King Jesus. Yeah, excellent. Now, before we dig deeper into this passage, I thought I'd ask about a question a little bit about sermon preparation when we go through gospel books. And I remember a few years ago um, in Prague when we are preaching through Mark's gospel and then just saying to the pastor, it's like, every sermon feels like I'm just saying mm-hmm. the same thing for like several weeks in a row. So often the same or similar theme will run through multiple passages. And I guess now we're into you know three passages into our series and the theme of authority seems to be the key um, in each passage. So how do you make sure we're not just preaching the same sermon each week? Uh, You have three pastors and then (laughs) (laughs) then they'll focus on something slightly different. It's handy. Um, I think the the interesting thing is is that even if you compare parallel passages between, so Matthew and Luke, they'll Mm. talk about exactly the same event, but even those two authors will pick up slightly different things. They do have an intent as they're writing down what they Mm. choose to leave out, what they emphasize, what they repeat. Um, And so you try to be aware of 
what's the emphasis here? And even reading the parallel passages can be actually really helpful mm. uh, to see, oh, okay, this is this is something that Luke's particularly on about. Uh, and so that then reminding us. I think the other thing is, is that it's just a, it, it, it's designed this way. Like we've, the previous series is about the kingdom. Mm. Um, and this is a theme that's been building and, and Luke just keeps adding bits to it. It's a little bit like Lego bricks yeah, just being yeah. added one by one. Yeah. Um, and yes, this Lego brick looks like the last Lego brick and it's it's kind of contributing to the same building. But if we slow down and actually look at the details in it, mm. then that's actually really valuable for us because it can confirm and and just reassure us that we haven't just come to this kind of vague conclusion at the end unjustified. There's actually really, really good basis mm. to why we're saying that when Jesus is hanging on a cross and they're saying, oh, behold your king, it's mm. actually a true statement, yeah. not just a slanderous accusation yeah. trying to mock him. Yeah. Mm. I've said to, to you guys in the office the last couple of weeks that I'm seeing Luke in very different eyes yeah. at the moment, just really just seeing especially these last chapters from the perspective of the Jesus is the king. And this yeah. is something I've not really picked up before. I, d- I don't think I've ever done it as a series, just this section. Mm. You would normally just do the bits for Easter. Yeah. And you would do the other parts at an unrelated time, just looking at a parable or looking at his interaction with his enemies. Mm. Um, But to bring it all together and say, oh, actually, no, Luke's actually trying to do something here for us to understand who Jesus is. And it just makes it so much more intriguing. Yeah, yeah, Mm. definitely. Now, in the ESV, they begin this section that we looked at, so 20 to 40 in verse 19. Mm -hmm. So verse 19 is linked with verse 20. And I think linking the immediacy of the desire of the chief priest to arrest Jesus um, with their sending out of the spies to try and catch him out. Now, Luke seems to be really painting a poor picture of these so-called religious leaders, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. He's, yeah. he's, it, it's a contrast of authority. These people are the people, according to the Old Testament, mm. who have the God-given rights to be the leaders of God's people. They should yeah. be running the temple and they should be doing it in the right way. Yeah. Uh, and Jesus is coming in and saying, no, no, this is how you're supposed to do it. And they're pushing back saying, hang on, who do you think yeah. you are? Uh, Johnny come lately. We've been here for, <laughs> yeah. for literally centuries. Yeah. And you think that you can just tell us what we're supposed to do? Moses yeah. told us what to do. Uh, and so it really is, it's a, it's a real, it's a fight. And we might just kind of see it as, oh, this is just a power play between different political parties. Mm. No, no, this is something that's a really, really long-standing mm. uh, issue that Jesus is tapping into. Yeah. And even in here we see the sort of authority and control issue is actually not just about the religious leaders it's within the religious leaders themselves oh yeah the the spy uh, like there's different words that translate what the spies are as they come it's sometimes that they come pretending to be truthful Mm. Um, the word is actually righteous they're pretending to be righteous how dare chief priests and teachers of the law pretend to be righteous you're supposed to be authentically righteous and you're willing to use people like that what's gone wrong that you think that that's an appropriate method by which to catch out somebody yeah Uh, it really is showing them in the in the poorest light possible yeah yeah and really buttering jesus up yeah in the beginning our good teacher yeah 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 it's really slimy isn't it yeah (laughs) now jesus's response to the pharisees is so incredibly brilliant like yeah give to God what is his, but give to the state what's due to the state. And on the surface, this is pretty straightforward. 
And I think from our perspective today, I think it's really easy for us to sit back and shake our head, yeah. uh, those you know, sinful Pharisees yep. at this point. But what about when life, and I think you made the point in your sermon, what about when life and obedience to the state or obedience to God, when they conflict together, what do you do when the state requires of us what is actually due to God and then the flip side what about when we don't give perhaps either to God or to state what is due yep um, I, I I think it's been pointed out already as Australians we already have an inbuilt bias against authority mm. um, and this section of the gospel is going to uh, do all sorts of things to us that mm. we're going to rebel against. There's just a natural reaction of Australians to go, uh, I don't mm. like this. I don't want to be under authority. How dare somebody say that they're better than me, that they've got more right to tell me what to do? How, mm. who, who do you think you are? Yeah. Um, and so I think as Australian Christians, there's still an Australianness to us yeah. um, that comes out as we do rebel against authority. Um, yeah, I, I think the reality that I tried to point out is is that we've all been in COVID um, mm-hmm. and the state has made a very strong statement about what you are to do and what you're not to do. Mm. Um, and there's been a discussion amongst Christians about, well, have they already overstepped their boundaries of what they're allowed to have authority over? Mm. Uh, and some Christians have come out making all sorts of statements. Yep. Um, I don't want to go into the debate of who's right and who's wrong. Yeah. But what it does show is it's really tricky. And so we can look at the Pharisees and go, oh, they were really dumb. Yeah. But not look at the log in our own eye yeah, yeah. and recognize that actually this is really it is in in practice it is really tricky because when I come to my driving, mm. do I submit to the state? Or do I just drive how I want to drive? And I say I'm a Christian and I'm driving the way I am because I'm a Christian, but really it's just because I'm lazy and I I want to do what I want to do. Um, And how we pay our taxes, we we listen to the advice of those who tell us that if you don't try to minimize your tax, you've got rocks in your head. Um, Is that that Mm. showing respect to the people that God's placed over us, mm. uh, should we be trying to minimize our tax? Or what, like, where do you go with that as a Christian? Yeah. Um, and so there are lots of practical things where we would say, oh, we're just being Australian, but what we're actually being is disobedient mm. to the authorities that God's placed over us. If, yeah. a, if a teacher has told us that something's due at a certain time, do we, out of honor to God, mm. actually attempt to submit our Assignment on time. Yeah. That's what it looks like to submit to authority that this intermediate authority that God's placed over us. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tricky thing. I remember a discussion. It reminded me this of um, one of the most interesting sort of forum times after a sermon that we had in our church in London. Mm -hmm. And it was about um, giving and tithing. Mm -hmm. And then the discussion then was like, well, you know, if we're supposed to give 10%, do we give that of gross or net salary? (laughs) Uh huh. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. then there was a heated discussion. It was mostly the Aussies and the South Africans yep. that were really into it. And the, the Aussies were gross. Uh-huh. The South Africans were net. Yeah, right. And then the Brits are just like, none of you are being generous here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're missing the whole point. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then it's like, mm, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> now, the sad Sadducees weren't much better off we find uh, than the Pharisees. Yeah. So in one sense, I think they're probably cleverer 
in that at yeah. least they're bringing an example before Jesus, which according to Scripture might yep. uh, have a legitimate and arguably plausible case. Mm -hmm. And Jesus once again proves he's a far superior debater mm. than all of them. But can you explain to us again, why is this interaction so significant, this yeah. one with the the Sadducees? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really easy to read this section and wonder why does Luke waste so much ink yeah. on going into all the details? Like, mm. okay, there were seven brothers and they all died and none of them had children at the mm. end. Like, why go into so much detail? I think part of it is is that's who the Sadducees were. Like mm. they're they're interested in the law and they want to get this right, and they purposely want to put up a fence really, really clear so Jesus can't escape. Mm. Um, and so that's their intention as they're doing it. I think the thing that's so uh, fascinating in it is this is not just like the uh, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God's. This is a, a unique statement where Jesus, as I said, like he just takes it in his stride as if there's not an issue here at all. Mm. They've asked him what they think is an impossible question to answer. And he and they're right. Mm. There is no biblical basis at the time, so they've only got the Old Testament, what mm. we call the Old Testament. That's their limit of their scriptures. There's no passage that you can go to in the Old Testament that answers mm. their question. Yeah, doesn't matter because Jesus has already got the answer. <laughs> now, there's no way possible that he can have the answer unless he's got the knowledge that God mm. has got. And so here is a statement of God mm. saying, okay, you've asked the question, well, here's the answer. This is what it's going to be like. Mm. Um, and then, the, and it's just really nice what he then does, even if they're not willing to accept his authority, which has been the statement for the whole, the, really the whole of these mm. three sections that we've looked at, um, he's willing to go halfway. Yeah. And so he goes to Exodus, which is part of the scripture that they accept because they have very limited, uh, they only hold to the first five books. Mm. Um, and from there, he gives them further evidence which confirms mm. what he's just stated. Yeah. Um, so scripture's backing up God speaking. Scripture is God speaking. Yeah. Um, and there's just, just this fascinating link that's going on. Mm. Um, but no one else has been able to respond like this. A prophet only has a message that he passes on from God. Yeah. This is someone speaking directly to God mm. in human form, yeah. and God gives them the answer straight away. It really yeah. is quite unique. Yeah. In our home group, we were discussing this question, and we're sort of going down a few points of discussion. At the end, we just thought what's most what's really amazing about this discussion is Jesus is not mocking them no. at all in this. It's like... He's taken their question yep. as a genuine question, and he could easily have just mocked them mm -hmm. and made them feel really stupid. Yep. But it's but I think what you're saying is he's giving them an answer that they just couldn't get from what yeah. they knew. It they was beyond their knowledge, they needed revelation. Yeah. And he gives it to them. Yeah. Really, yeah. really graciously when he yeah. knows that they're trying to trap him. Yeah. 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 Just just shows another kind of side of Jesus that yep. Yep. Yeah, hadn't really known and mm. seen mm. before. It's quite quite a yeah, brilliant, a brilliant little exchange. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, thinking apologetically for a moment, so in Jesus' exchange, there's some good training for us, I think, as we discuss our faith with non-Christians or perhaps Christians who might have um, slightly different views mm -hmm. than we do on things. And I think often we might get asked questions that the other person thinks is, you know, the question to end all questions. And I think you gave the example um in the sermon about can God create um, stone that cannot be lifted? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. um, 
I think that's great. It's just one of those like damned if you do, damned if you don't yep. kind of questions. That's the the knockout punch. Yep. Um, and I was remembering one book that I was reading once where it said, if someone's sort of making an assertion or if they're asking the impossible question, don't feel you have to answer their question exactly. Like push back on them, make them justify their yep. assertion or show that the question is flawed mm -hmm. and change the angle of the discussion to yeah. show them something that is not flawed. Yep. What do you think about this exchange with Jesus and how we can think about how Jesus engaged? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like clearly Jesus is on another level because this is God interacting with people and mm. not only does he, he doesn't have to guess what their motivation is or what are they thinking or what's the background to this, he actually knows. Mm. Um, but you're right, we do learn from it that um, how an argument is framed is vitally important. And if we mm. if we accept the assumptions that are inbuilt into a question, mm. often that's the flaw and you won't be able to go anywhere with the question. Yeah. And so I think what Jesus shows us is that, uh, as, as you were rightly picking up, this is an opportunity for Jesus to reveal more of who he is mm. and how loving and gracious and welcoming he is. Yeah. And so when they're on the attack, he somehow diverts it so that this is another thing that further exalts him. Mm. And they're supposed to be able to pick up on that. Yeah. And even at that point, repent of their their arrogance and their their desire to catch him out. Mm. And, and they should be stunned and in awe of how good Jesus is. Yeah. Um, and obviously, that's not our goal. We don't try and answer questions so people go, oh, wow, isn't Clayton fantastic? <laughs> yeah. um, but it shows us that somehow we've got to be thinking beyond questions. We've always mm. got to be asking, what's the question behind the question? Yeah. Um, what, what is, what's driven this person to doubt this particular part of God? Why are yeah. they asking a question about suffering? Is it because they've had suffering in their life mm. that makes them question whether God is good? Yeah. So when they ask this generic question, which you can't possibly answer, mm. turn it back with a question, oh, have you had personal experience of suffering in your own life that's yeah. caused you to doubt whether God's good? Yeah. Uh, and Or take it to Jesus and show Jesus in his suffering the consequence or the outcome of that is goodness. Mm. Um, so I, it really is, a, I think it's always an important point to be thinking, what's the question behind the question? Yeah. Um, have, an un have, a, have a framework of where do you want to go with things, mm. but be willing to enter it in different places. Um, there's a thing that's in theology that's termed the hermeneutical spiral, uh, basically saying that in any argument, you can enter from any point yeah. and you should be able to continue back and see all of the evidence that's part of it um, and take people to a good place. And so rather than saying to somebody who comes with a particular argument, oh, we've got to go back to Genesis where God created everything, you've always got to start there. Mm. Have your framework in place. But if someone comes to you with a question that's at, I don't know, the, the mm. 11 o'clock, yeah. start there rather than trying to take them back to the beginning and work right around yeah. um, and, and just work with people from where they're actually already at. Yeah. And I think as well, Jesus, in being so gracious in mm. the way he dealt with the Sadducees, made me think, well, what is the purpose of you having this discussion yep. with a person? Are you, are you trying to win the debate yep. or do you want to win the person? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, mm. And so... 
And, yeah. and, and it's, it, we're told very, very clearly in, in the New Testament that mm. we're to answer with gentleness and respect. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't respect your opponent, which clearly the Sadducees don't, yeah. um, it doesn't end well. Mm. But Jesus, even in their, even with their lack of respect for him, mm. he's still respecting them and so giving them an answer beyond what the answer is that they expected. And so if someone's coming to you, asking for a debate mm. and you gently and graciously point them to a loving Jesus, yeah. they don't get what they want, but maybe that in itself will make them think, oh, wow, I, I didn't think that that's how a Christian would respond. Yeah. You've already moved someone on a step. Yeah, yeah. Or it might lead on to more questions mm-hmm. and you can tell them even more about Jesus. Yep. Yeah. Now, your third point in your sermon was, if Jesus is king, then we are not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, think, I love this. I think this is just brilliant in its simplicity. Now, the New Testament often draws distinctions between an Old Testament highlight and how Jesus is greater mm-hmm. than that. Um, so can you run through some of these, like Jesus is greater than truths? Sure. Um, if anything's brilliant in my sermon, it usually means that I stole it from someone else. Um, I'm Who pretty, stole it from someone else? <laughs> probably took it from someone else, but they might have acknowledged it. Yeah. Um, I think it was Calvin who's, who, who was one of the first to identify this concept that there's, there's characters and there's things from the Old Testament that are fulfilled in Jesus. And so the prophet, priest, and king are three mm. officers uh, in the Old Testament. The prophet speaks the word of God to God's people, usually telling them to come back to the mm. covenant. Uh, the, the priest is the one who's supposed to teach people God's ways. The king is this ruler who has both a political and a, and a uh, religious function. When we come to Jesus, he is the greatest prophet rather mm. than one who has to receive a message from God and pass it on. We hear that he is the word of God and he's speaking the message. He is the message incarnate. Mm. Um, he's the greater priest. He's not the one who offers a sacrifice for sins annually. Uh, they couldn't take away the guilt. Mm. Um, they just held things in place until the sacrifice that it was all pointing to would come. And so not only is he the great priest, he's also the sacrifice. Mm. Uh, the temple, the tabernacle, the Garden of Eden, they're the places where God dwells with his people. Mm. And then Jesus comes and tabernacles amongst us. He is God dwelling with his people. Mm. So he's the greater temple. And so we'll talk about the temple is going to be destroyed and rebuilt in three days. Mm. Um, and he, and here, the, the obvious one that we're picking up on in this section of Luke is Jesus as the greater king. Mm. Um, Saul was king. David was king. Solomon was king. They all did some good things, but they also did some terrible things. Yeah. Uh, and here we have Jesus who is the greater king, uh, who does everything perfect. And in this particular instance, I think, um, like people came to Solomon, who is uh, recorded by Scripture as the wisest king, to mm. ever live mm. uh, and Jesus clearly shows that Solomon's not even in the realms yeah, of yeah. the wisdom that Jesus has and then we find out in Corinthians actually Jesus is wisdom yeah. and so what Proverbs has been referring to that wisdom was there mm. in some sense it's telling us that Jesus was there and, and everything that's been done is wise and so we look at the world and think it's crazy and it's mixed up and it's broken mm. and God says it's wise Yeah. Uh, and so it's a, it's a beautiful picture because it's showing us that like a signpost points to a city. I don't look at the signpost at Waterfall that says you're you're entering Sydney and go, oh, wow, isn't that a fantastic yeah. signpost? Yeah. I'm going to stop and take a photo of it. Yeah. I press on to what the signpost is 
pointing towards. Mm. And all of these pictures and imagery and situations and people in the Old Testament have all been just little pictures of the greater Jesus, who is all of those pictures combined. Mm. Um, and that's what we're starting to see now. This Jesus who's coming along and doing miracles and teaching is actually the one who we've been waiting for all this time, yeah. um, the one who does all of these things perfectly. Yeah. Now, your closing points on Sunday reminded me a lot of the book of Esther, you know, when King... Um, Xerxes or Ahasuerus, mm-hmm. depending on the translation, mm-hmm. when he was drunk and he was listening to the evil Haman, there was confusion and evil. So evil mm-hmm. decisions were being made uh, and confusion reigned yep. in the community. But when he was sober and he listened to Mordecai, there was order and there was celebration. Mm-hmm. Similarly here, when the true king rules, mm-hmm. we see that there is joy and peace. Jesus' rule, therefore, is not only good, but it is great. Uh, So again, Jesus is greater Mm -hmm. in his rule. How can we be sure that as Christians we're not begrudging Jesus's rule? Mm. Or as he said before, sneaky usurpers. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, I I think that this is an extraordinary point for Australians to receive, Mm. and it's quite a unique thing. Having lived in Thailand, uh, we've lived in a very different culture that sees a willing submission to authority. Mm. Um, They had, while we were living there, they had a king who, in practice, a lot of them actually worshipped. So there was no question of do they respect their king. They did um, and showed it very uh, effusively uh, in all sorts of different ways. Um, I'm yet to meet too many Australians that effusively willingly joyfully submit to an authority over them <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. if you've got a prime minister can you stab him in the back yeah. um, if you like that that's just what australians do unfortunately it's mm. just it's so ingrained into so much of who we are uh, even our humor is generally pulling other people down yeah. uh, it's just what we do mm. and so for christians australian christians to joyfully submit to jesus what does that look like mm. uh, it's going to be completely Completely countercultural. It's going to look so weird. What do you mean that you're happy not to be number one? Yeah. What do you mean that you don't say what goes here? Mm. Uh, and so I started to refer um, quite generally to some things in our society. Um, I think that there's a lot of things that are going along in the political sphere about what is and what isn't truth. Mm. Um, that Jesus has clarified that principles that were stated in the Old Testament continue to be the case today. God created man, humanity, male Mm. and female, in the image of God. That's what it is. Mm. And you can't go around playing with that definition. Otherwise, you are defying the king. Um, I've put authorities over you, and it is right for you to pay taxes. If Mm. you're you're having debates about whether you should do it pre or post-tax, My guess is that there's a little bit of motivation in there to actually say, I'm the one that determines how this is going to work out in practice. We're usurping authority. We're taking it back. And so there's so many, many, so many issues, whether they're Mm. in our practical day-to-day life, our life at church, our interaction with others, how we talk to non-Christians around us, Mm. all of them, there's going to be this this constant desire, which we've seen since Genesis. Yeah. 
that mankind desires to rule life according to what they think is best. Mm. And that's what I continue to do. I I want to get security my way. Uh, I want to have relationships my way. Mm. As soon as I say this is my way, it probably isn't God's way. Uh, And so I think it's not just a... I I quite separated them at the end. This was a a solution for people who are not Christians. You Mm. need to submit to Jesus. But again, for Christians, there's still a need here for us to be constantly checking our motivation, mm. evaluating, have we started to slide here yeah. that actually what I'm doing here is for my honor, for my comfort, for my respect, rather than to see Jesus lifted up as this passage is clearly doing. Yeah. Now, last again, as we look at our King this series from the Gospel of Luke, um, how would you like to see the lives of the WBC family being impacted? Hmm. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I, I think that what I want to see is that people have an exalted picture of Jesus. Hmm. Um, we're in such familiar territory and nothing that I, I don't think we're going to look at anything in this section of Luke's gospel that we go, oh, I've never heard that before. Hmm. I'm surprised that Jesus says that. I'm surprised that happened to Jesus. It's all familiar territory. But what I'm hoping comes out of it is that we don't just go, oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. That's nice. Isn't Jesus good? Isn't Jesus amazing? Isn't Jesus? Like, what this is hopefully doing is actually uh, getting rid of some of the rubbish and the misconceptions and the, the jaded views of Jesus, mm. cleaning our glasses so that we actually see him as he's really presenting himself. Yeah. Uh, and therefore, what does everyone do when they actually see Jesus? Like John himself, as he's been a disciple, hanging mm. out with Jesus for three years, but then he sees the exalted Jesus, he falls down as yeah. if dead before him. Yeah. If a few of us fall down as if dead before Jesus by the end of this sermon, I think we've done our job. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. We'll be looking out for that on Sunday night. <laughs> so thank you, Ken, for your time today, and it's great to have you back on board. And thank you, everyone, for listening and to Mike for recording. And each Sunday, remember, if you've got any questions or comments after the service, please send them to me into the church office, and I'll try to incorporate them into the podcast. And remember, the path that Jesus sends us on may not be the one we choose for ourselves, but it's always the best one for us. So let's joyfully submit our lives to our King Jesus. This has been a podcast of the Wollongong Baptist Church. You can listen to past sermons and deeper podcasts and also find information about our Sunday services on our website at wollongongbaptist.org.